Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. We're back, guys. How are you, babe? I'm good. I'm good. Just, you know, feeling excited. Yes, very excited. Uh, happy that the podcast is back. We just came back from FinCon, FinCon 2021. Yeah. And basically what FinCon is, is a financial conference for money nerds, uh, content creators. It's basically the theme is where money and media meets. Yeah. It's been a while since we last went to FinCon, right? Yes. Three years ago. Three years ago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that so was, was our first one, right? Yep. And it was just good to get back in the swing of things, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, be around God. other content creators. Yeah, and it was just so good to see, like, old friends, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was such a good time. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we went. And also, you know, guys, since, since we've been on break of sorts, we were nominated for Plutus Award for Best New Podcast. Wow, and yeah, the yeah. Plutus Award is basically... It's like the Oscars. Or of, Grammys. Or Grammys, Emmys, Golden Globes. yeah. Uh, Tony's, Tony's. <laughs> of of the personal finance content. Content, yeah. 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 Like it's for, you know, it recognizes personal finance content creators. Yes, yes. You know? And we couldn't even believe it, to be honest with you, yeah. when we got nominated. Yeah, I I mean I was just it was I was surprised. I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, but it was an honor to be nominated amongst the different podcasts that we were up yeah, against. Yeah, you know, a lot of people be like, I was honored to get nominated, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and didn't win. But they'd be like, that's phony. But we actually no. were yes. honored to be nominated. Um, honored. Like, it was... Because we didn't expect it. And, you know, want to thank everyone who voted for us. Yes, um, thank you. Everyone who voted for us. Thank you to yeah, just, and whoever voted for us for People's Choice. Um, oh, yeah, we were also... No- so, we, yeah, we were nominated for Best new personal finance podcast but we were also nominated for the people's choice, choice award so yeah we were in the top 10 for finals and we didn't really even you know send anything yeah, we regarding even, it so we appreciate anyone who thought of us yeah. and included us in this for real so yeah we but appreciate all of the support yes throughout this podcast so so guys some good news for you we were thinking about uh how we were going to do this podcast going forward if it was going to be seasons or if it was going to go straight through um so we decided that we're not going to do seasons and we're just going to continue doing this podcast each and every week to you especially after coming back from fincon we met with some awesome content creators in the podcast space and you know we just are taking their encouragement taking their feedback and just gonna keep bringing you guys some of the best in the industry, some of the best personal finance experts, couples who can share about their um, money management stories or debt payoff stories. So we have so much in the docket for you guys. And we're looking forward to just every week, just bringing you guys something, something new and exciting. So... Okay, so now let's get into our main guest for the episode. Mm -hmm. We have Diana Merriam, founder of the Economy Conference, which is an event centered around financial independence and is also known as the TED Talks of the FIRE movement. You know, I, I really enjoyed our conversation with Diana. She broke down 
what exactly is FIRE. So FIRE is an acronym, um, which she'll share on the episode, um, and how she, she was, she's able to save 60% of her income and is on track to be financially independent by the time she's 40 years old. And, and she's also the host of the popular podcast, Optimal Finance Daily, where she narrates articles from the best personal finance blogs on the planet. Listeners are definitely going to get a lot of good information out of this episode. So just thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. We also want to mention that you can get our free guide to managing money with intention by visiting our website, richbyintention.com, or clicking the link in our bio on Instagram. So thank you guys. We hope you enjoy the episode. So now we're super excited to have you join us on the Rich by Intention podcast. We're so interested in just having our listeners hear more about your story. You've started this new business and, you know, we really believe our listeners are going to get a lot out of your story and just starting up your business in, I think you said during COVID, was it? Yeah. COVID? Oh yeah. Did not anticipate that at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think first, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Diana Merriam and I am the host of a podcast called Optimal Finance Daily. And I also started this business, The Economy Conference, which is basically an events-based business rooted in the FIRE movement. It's the first large-scale event that has roots in the FIRE movement. And really what it's all about is inspiration and community. It's been called a party about money, which is exactly the vibe that I was going for. So that's really fun. One of the attendees last year uh, called it that in in our post-event survey. So it was really fun to see that. It's also been referred to as the TED Talks, and I'm doing air quotes here, but the TED Talks of the FIRE movement, just to give you an idea of the format of the event. So we have main stage speakers that are popular bloggers that you would probably know. And then we also do breakout sessions and different activities and an after party and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that the, the economy conference really originated from me asking myself the question, if I was financially independent, what would I want to do with my time? Because obviously I'm not just going to sit around and do nothing. I want to create something. Mm -hmm. I want to use this this um, newfound time to do something really cool. And so I decided I wanted to create this party about money. And it really stemmed from me going to a lot of different events and seeing the impact they had on me. So for example, there's this event called World Domination Summit, which sounds crazy, like Pinky and the Brain produces it or something. (laughs) But it's really this event rooted in unconventional living. So it's people kind of not following your standard narrative of what it means to be an adult, right? Mm -hmm. And they're just creating these really interesting lives. And Mr. Money Mustache, which is probably the one of the most popular blogs within the fire movement, he spoke at that event one year and that's how I found it. So I go to this event. This next year will be like my fourth time going. And every time I leave there, I feel like my life is so full of possibility. Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm surrounded by people doing pretty incredible things. And it's almost like you can't help but being impacted by that amount of energy from other people. And so I wanted to create something that would make other people feel that way about money. I love that. 
Yeah. For me, like my trajectory of learning about personal finance just completely changed my life. Not to interrupt you, but I I just want to back up a little bit for our listeners because no, like it's what you're saying is super exciting, like all in like, wow, like you started this conference. But, you know, one of the things that led us to, you know, reaching out to you to join us on our podcast was, you know, that you're so heavily involved in the FIRE movement. And so can you just explain to our listeners what exactly is FIRE? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early, and it's essentially a lifestyle movement with the goal of financial freedom. I like to think of it as financial literacy on steroids. There's nothing like overly complicated about FIRE or like when you think about what sets apart FIRE from just standard personal finance content. I think it's a couple of things. One thing that stood out to me when I discovered it is most of what I read about personal finance before discovering FIRE, it had this tone of struggle to it, right? Like it's going to be so difficult to reduce your expenses and increase your income. And this is this this is going to be really hard and this is going to feel like deprivation. And the FIRE movement has this tone of opportunity and potential. And so, you know, if you think about things like reducing your expenses, okay, let's say you decide to cook every meal you eat, which is one thing that I do. Is it really that much of a hardship to bring your lunch to work every day? No, it's really not. But a lot of people feel like it is. It's a huge inconvenience, right? And so I think that the fire movement is very empowering in that things that we may think of as a hardship in a first world country actually aren't. We are surrounded by abundance and I, that was life-changing for me. It actually really made me feel like I was wasting my privilege um, when I, when I realized how much I was mindlessly spending money. So that's one thing that I really love about the fire movement. The other thing is this like sense of urgency that this idea of why would you waste, not waste, but why would you spend the best years of your life working a nine to five until you're 65? That this idea that you don't have to wait that long to have some freedom, if you can build some financial bandwidth, you can actually enjoy a lot of that a lot sooner in life. And so a typical financial advisor is going to tell you to you know, save and invest maybe 10 to 20% of your income for retirement. That's like pretty standard advice. People that are pursuing financial independence or early retirement will typically uh, save 50% or more of their income. So there's also this level of aggressiveness when it comes to saving and investing that I think sets it apart from typical personal finance. And that really appealed to my overachiever personality, you yeah. know, that I was like, oh, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way, you know? No, I think yeah. that's awesome. And I think to me, it sounds like it takes a mindset shift, right? To kind of totally. think traditionally, like to your point, when a financial advisor might say, oh yeah, save 10 to 20% of your income, that's fine. You know, live on the rest, you know, spend it however you want. But what was that like for you? Like, how did you start off? And then how did you actually transition into this new mindset of reaching financial independence and retiring early? Yeah. Well, I think in my 20s, I never really thought about retirement. It just seems like something that's so far away. And it seems like something like, I'll figure this out when I'm making more money. That was my rationale as to like why I just didn't care about saving for retirement. But when you realize that, 
okay, saving for retirement now is not just about enjoying it when I'm 65. I could potentially be 10 years away. That's like a wake up call. Like, whoa, this is a lot closer than I thought. And also I think it helps put some context of like how much you actually need to retire. Cause a lot of us are just saving money and we're not really putting like goalposts and numbers to like how much we think we need. So I think the fire movement does a really good job of defining how much is enough, which how much is enough is 25 times your yearly expenses is said to be your fire number. That's the number you're striving towards. And when you realize that something like a million dollars as a, a single woman with no children that's probably enough for me to retire. It makes it seem a lot more accessible. Now, a million dollars seems like a lot, you know, where, where you're, when you're just starting out, but when you start to save large percentages of your income and you see the power of compound interest working, I got halfway there in just six years. So that's, it's, it just, it makes the whole dream seem a lot more accessible. Cause you know, if you talk to like a Susie Orman, she's going to tell you, you need five to $10 million to retire. When you look at it as like, I need a million dollars and here's much, how much I need to save in order to get there. And having a really intimate knowledge of like your cost of living and your yearly expenses and being comfortable with some of your assumptions that you're putting into your financial modeling. I mean, it's just life-changing. And I think it also, a lot of people will look at the pursuit of FI as you gain the freedom when you reach that number of 20 times 25 times your yearly expenses. But I think there's actually a lot of options that open up along the way. So for example, once you get out of debt, that's a level of freedom that opens up, right? Once you save your emergency fund, that's a level of flexibility that opens up. I ended up getting to a point where I um, I saved what's referred to as, and you can cut this out if you need to, FU money, which the polite among us might call it peace out money, which means <laughs> you have a year or two of living expenses, liquid and easily accessible. That means that you no longer need to work at a job that's not optimal. You still need to make money, but now you can take a big risk in how you make money. That's a level of the game that you opened up. There's another um, milestone that we like to call Coast Fi. And this one was really game changing for me because that means that you have saved enough in your retirement vehicles that if you didn't contribute one more dollar, you have enough for traditional retirement at 65 through the power of compound interest. The money that you have now is going to grow to what you need at 65. Once you reach that status, you actually no longer need to save for traditional retirement. If you don't care about early retirement, you can just what, what's called coast and just meet your yearly expenses, which those pursuing fire is typically a lot less than they earn. Maybe you take a break. Maybe you take a step down in salary to, to do work that you know you really care about versus you know chasing the money. So yes, reaching financial independence is something that we're striving for in the fire movement, but I think there are a lot of benefits that open up along the way that people don't talk about enough. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I, I can imagine some of our listeners might be saying, you know, like, okay, um, a million dollars to live on, like, okay, that's, that's impossible. You know, I live in a, a high cost of living area. You know, I have children. I guess my question is like, what are some of the changes that you made in your own life mm -hmm. to help you on this pursuit of fire. So when I first started out, I ran a credit report on myself and saw that I was 30 grand in debt, which I knew I was in debt. I was making credit card payments and student loan payments, but I didn't know my collective debt. So I think the first step for me was just having like a very strong awareness 
around my financial position. And then from there, I just started aggressively reducing my expenses. So typically like the three and your your listeners probably are aware of this, the three biggest areas where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck are going to be housing, transportation, and food. So when I first started, I was paying, I was living in New York City. I was paying $1,800 a month for a cockroach infested apartment in the bowels of Brooklyn. <laughs> Right. And I was locked into a lease. That like, sounds about right. <laughs> right. Exactly. There wasn't much I could do to reduce that expense, but I was also spending a ridiculous amount of money having my 20s. Right. I was going out every night. I was partying with my friends. I mean, this is like thousands of dollars a month that I was spending just recklessly going out. And so I stopped doing that. It was like a complete 180. And I started cooking every meal that I ate. Um, I started hosting elaborate dinner parties at my apartment where everybody else would bring the booze and I would make the food. I stopped buying clothing and I would host these clothing exchanges where all my friends would clean out their closets and we would all trade. Like that's how I got, that's actually, I just did a clothing exchange with a friend. That's where I got the shirt from the other day. That's so good. Yeah. So I think it was a shift in mindset of how can I be resourceful and creative about getting my needs met? If it feels like deprivation, then I've just gone too far. Like when I was experimenting with this, I started like making my own face wash and laundry (laughs) detergent and like that was just like a step too far. Like next thing I'm making like a, like a hair shirt or something like that. Right. That was a little too much, but I wouldn't have known that if I didn't try, Yeah, you know, or something like, um, I had these neighbors move in below me where, you know, when I was living in Brooklyn and they asked if they could just use my internet for a couple of days until they got there set up. So I sh- thought, sure, like I'll just change the password if they take advantage, but it didn't affect the functionality of my internet at all for me. So I said, why don't you just keep it? We'll split my bill. It, we are surrounded by those kinds of opportunities oh gosh, to wow. reduce our expenses. And I think when you have the mindset where you're looking for it, mm-hmm. it, it's like you're able to, for me, I was able to tap into a level of creativity that I didn't know I had. And that became really satisfying in its own right beyond saving money. Like I was making gifts for people instead of buying them gifts. And I, I would come out with these like really thoughtful, interesting gifts that you couldn't buy, you know, because I made them myself. And yeah, so I, I think it's that mindset of recognizing that we're surrounded by abundance and that reducing your expenses doesn't have to feel like deprivation. That to me was a huge mindset shift and what enabled me to get out of 30 grand of debt in 11 months. In that time towards the tail end of when I was getting out of debt, I got a pretty significant raise. And so I think the next thing to think about is don't let lifestyle creep or lifestyle inflation rob you of those raises that you're getting. So if you can live the same lifestyle and not, you know, most people get a raise and they buy a new car, they get the bigger house or, you know, they go on extravagant vacations. If you can resist the temptation to do that, then those increases in income just go straight to saving and investing. Yep. Yeah. So true. Lifestyle style inflation is is real. And um, we actually did a post on this in terms of, you know, every time you get a new job or like promotion, it's like, oh, I got to spend money or I have to buy new clothes. And it's like, when you get that new job, any clothes that you wear would be new to everyone at that new job. So it's just like a a mindset shift. Right. And I think the good, one of the good things about like personal finance community or the FI community is like, you know, it's always about thinking outside the box, right? We used to always mm-hmm. be inside the box, but once you start looking outside of it, you start to see, you know, the whole 
view the whole box so yeah um, and I really powerful yeah and I love how you were just so creative like just being resourceful and I feel like that was a skill that our society people in our society used to have like yeah. I was just thinking the other day like I feel like so orange juice as an example my grandmother when I was younger my grandmother's from Jamaica she has 12 children and she had to be resourceful when she was you know, back in the day when I was younger. And um, I remember orange juice, like she would use water, like combine water and the bottle of orange juice together so that she had more to provide for her family. And I just use that as an example, because it's reminding me of the things that I know my grandparents used to do to make sure that they could provide more for their children. And it's like, I think it's just taking a step back and really looking at what are the things that we can do, not to deprive ourselves, but to really make sure that we are allocating all of our resources effectively, efficiently. And it it could be just something as small as, you know, clothing exchange like you did, or even looking, you know, at your grocery bill and really seeing how you can, you know, not be so wasteful with what you had. Um, Totally. This blog, Mr. Money Mustache, really had an impact on me in that regard because, you know, there's this great quote, I think it's Socrates, who said, happiness is not in having more, but in developing the capacity to enjoy less. And that to me is like a superpower because if your needs are minimal and easily you can easily find the money to fund them. Like my expenses are so low now that it it feels like a superpower. It feels like um, I have a lot more freedom in how I spend my time because my needs are so low. Um, Mr. Money Mustache says that luxury is a weakness and we are so accustomed to conveniences that it does feel like a hardship when you are rethinking the way that you typically do things. So I think reading this kind of content was very influential on my mindset. Um, A lot of people will ask me, how did I change my mindset? It's by exposing myself and reading this kind of content. And you're almost battling your consumerist conditioning and of of 30 years I've been, I've been one way. And so I really had to be very intentional about exposing myself and reinforcing this idea that, um, my wealth is found in the gap between my income and my expenses. That's where my wealth is. I've got to grow that gap and I've got to protect that gap. That became more exciting to me than a new pair of shoes. Yeah. I I think that's so great. And I think that's such a gem for our listeners, just understanding that, you know, not to have that lifestyle creep, not to, you know, just to kind of change your mindset to understand like, what's, what are the things that are truly important in life? And like, a lot of time, like for us, you know, wealth is so much more than money. It's about owning your time. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that you can reduce your expenses, um, while your income is increasing, whether that's through your, um, W2 job or through side hustles, if you can just appreciate that more, you know, the time freedom that you'll gain from just living a more simpler life, that's, that's invaluable, right? You know, absolutely. That's awesome. And it sounds like this world domination conference that I get that right. (laughs) (laughs) The world domination summit. Yes. World domination summit. It sounds like that's something that RJ and I need to, uh, kind of look into a little bit more. So I just think it's pinky (laughs) in the brain. Yeah. I know. Right. Right. No. So, okay. So you're, you're fire. You've made some lifestyle changes, um, to, to help you expedite, you know, your track to retire early. So now you started this new business venture called economy. Can you tell us more about that and reason why you wanted to kind of create this for others? Yeah. 
Absolutely. So if you look at the FIRE community, there are tons of podcasts that you can listen to about this. There are tons of blogs and content creators that you can follow. There are books. There's a very rich amount of content out there about FIRE. And that's how I got into it, right? But I will say that my journey was like supercharged when I started meeting other people that were also doing it. It's a pretty unconventional thing to pursue. Like if you tell most people I'm saving 60% of my income, they're going to think you're nuts. Trust me. I've, I've, been, I've been met with some, some interesting uh, looks when I tell yeah. people that. And so, and, and you know, money is such a taboo topic. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about this is, is pretty interesting. Um, but it, it, is, it, it can be kind of a lonely path. And there are plenty of online communities. There are Facebook groups. There are local meetups. But I'd say that once I started physically meeting in person other people that were interested in this topic, I just felt like they're my kind of people. Not only can we talk about money, but we just had pretty similar interests in what we value and and what's important to us in life. So it's not just about finding other people to talk to about money. I think it's just finding your kind of people, you know, that you like, I think about this one woman that I've become really good friends with. She came to my conference uh, last year. She found out about it because Mr. Money Mustache like tweeted about it. And so she was like, oh, this is in Cincinnati. I'm in Cincinnati. I'm going to go to this. And she ended up like writing me a nice note and we became friends. Like I invited her to this mastermind group that I joined. And now we go every weekend, we do long distance hiking together and like talk about everything. She took um, kind of a mini retirement from her corporate career. And that inspired me to consider that, you know, her, her journey when I was deciding to quit my job earlier this year. So it's, it's, you just, I think other people are so important on the path to five for me. I mean, I'm an extrovert, you know, some people are introverts and maybe they, they just want to do this on their own and never talk about it, but I'm an extrovert and I don't feel like I connect well with people online. Like I, I get shy about posting and communicating with people online. I like to say that I'm much more of a, t- a talker than a typer. Right. And so I love the idea of meeting people in person. And that that's really what this event is rooted in. It's, being around other people and the inspiration that you can get from seeing how other people are pursuing financial independence. We also have amazing main stage speakers that are talking about a variety of topics. So like last year, for example, we had an amazing presentation on what do you do about student loan debt? How do you think about you know attacking that? Or um, one of our most popular speeches was from a woman who was a single black mother, started her fire journey at 38 and retired by 49, never making six figures. I mean, her story is incredible. And she like opened up the books and showed all the numbers behind how she did it. So there is a really good combination of tactical information plus more inspiring information to kind of fuel your fire. <laughs> kind of sounds cheesy to say that, but but that's the way that I think of it. I love that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people might say, well, okay, well, I don't make six figures, right? I don't make that much income. You know, you know, children. this is something mm-hmm. I have children, you know, this is something more for people that don't look like me. Right. Mm. I've heard a lot of that. And I, I love that the fact that you're saying that this is, this is for everyone, right? Yeah. Fire is possible. Right. But we just, we have to look within our own, 
you know, circumstances to see what are the things that we can either reduce in our life and also look for ways how do we increase our income, which is possible, especially nowadays with the internet, right? Information is available. And you mentioned that there's so many communities today that speak about fire. There's podcasts, you know, Mr. Money Mustache. I know my husband, you know, he, that was one of the first blogs that he found back in the day when that kind of led us on our own personal finance journey. So, so yeah, so there's definitely resources out there and, and it's possible for everyone, not just one specific type of person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And and just to add to that, everyone may not want fire, right? But at least they want financial empowerment, right? Which is Mm -hmm. for them to know where their money is going and for them to start investing and for them to help their community, right? Like sometimes it's not just about you, but it's about, you know, your surrounding family and friends and your network and helping them to just get empowered by the money as well. So so many things that you learn from going through this experience, whether it's for your own personal gain or if it's for, you know, uh, the people who uh, are most important to you. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that you saw a need to, you know, just to bring like minded people together is awesome. And not just, you know, for the typers, right, but for the talkers as well, the people who prefer to have that human interaction with others. So I think that's awesome that you've created this conference, you know, so, so how can people like learn more about it if if they're interested in attending? So if you go to economyconference.com and that's economy with an M E at the end, not an M Y. Um, so clever with a misspelled word. Uh, so yeah, economyconference.com. You can read about our speakers. You can take a look at our programming. Um, tickets are available now and we'll actually have a discount code um, for people listening to this show. Rich by intention, all caps, one word for a 10% discount on tickets. Uh, the event is happening on November 13th and 14th at the University of Cincinnati. Another thing that you can check out is if you just search for economy conference on YouTube, all of the speeches from last year are just like TED Talks. They're up on the YouTube channel. So go check that out and you can get a better sense of the type of content and the vibe that we've got going on at, at the Economy Conference. I love that. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. And, um, you know, one thing I just want to pivot a little bit in terms of like your journey as a business owner for this conference. Like, can you talk a little bit about that journey, struggles and, and things you learned along the way? Oh, yeah. So economy was supposed to be my early retirement project, right? This is what I was wanted to do once I reached financial independence. But I plan to I'm 34. Now I was on the trajectory to be five by 40. And I was just so excited about this that I couldn't wait. And I'm so glad that I didn't wait. Because I think when you start a business, even one that isn't meant to make an income. So like I've never had any intention for economy to be a source of income for me, which I'm learning along the way may have backed me into a corner, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so economy, when you start any business, there is a lot that you you just don't know what you don't know. It's a big risk, right? And so me having a 60% savings rate allowed me to self-fund my business without having to tap into any investments. I didn't have to take out a loan. I basically was cash flowing it with the cash that I would have invested in my after-tax brokerage. I was still able to fully fund my retirement vehicles even while funding this business. So I think pursuing FI, even if you don't care about early retirement, even if you don't care about FI, just having a big savings rate creates bandwidth for you to take some risks. And so I ended up taking a 40% 
40 grand loss on my first event, which for most people, you know, especially if I was in, if I was financially independent, I probably would have needed to cancel it because I wouldn't have been able to, that that would be an unexpected expense that I didn't plan for. Right. And so I probably would have said, well, ticket sales are not justifying like the cost of this event. I need to cancel it. But because I was able to float it with my savings rate, I can take a longer term approach. I can look at it almost like a restaurant where maybe you're not going to break even for three to five years, but it's worth it in the long run to create something you're really proud of. That to me is a huge privilege and made possible because of the financial safety net that I created. Um, So I think that if anyone is interested in starting their own business, financial stability first is really the way to go. Because again, you don't know what you don't know. And starting anything, any kind of business can be risky. And so being able to create that safety net for yourself, I think is is really critical because then you don't have the added stress of like, how am I going to pay my bills plus fund this dream? So true. No, I, I think that's great. And I know like, I love that you said just having that financial stability is important before starting that business. And that's what RJ and I, what we help others do is that we want people to be able to manage their money with intention so that they can have more options. And it may not, it may be that you want to pursue fire. It may be that you don't want to pursue fire, that you just want to be able to save for your children, save for your family, um, you know, be able just to have that control over your finances. And I think it just gives you so much, so much uh, power, right? Like it mm-hmm. empowers you, right? To live life on your terms and not just what having society your, what us. society tells you, what your job may tell you. You're able to have that F you or peace out money, like you said, and you're able to really take your life into your own hands, which is what we encourage our listeners to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you hear about these entrepreneurs where they're like, I drained my 401k for my dream, you know, and that sounds so romantic when it works out well, but you know, the people who aren't talking about it are the people that it didn't work out well for. And there's a very high percentage of startups and entrepreneurs that don't succeed. So knowing that that's a risk you're able to take a calculated risk when you have financial stability. Yep, exactly. That's so, so. true. That's so true. Yeah. So I feel like my last my last question that I have is is really geared toward your entire journey that you kind of that you illustrated to us. What was like one of the like biggest lessons like you learned along the way and advice that you have for someone going on a similar journey? Mm. I would say that there's a need to be flexible because life is going to throw obstacles at you, but it's also going to throw opportunities at you. And so like when I first, you know, got into my spreadsheets and came up with my plan to get out of debt, and then I had this vision of what my whole journey was going to look like on the way to FI. And then like things change or your desires change, or you learn more about yourself along the way. And you realize that your original plan like is no longer valid. And I think a lot of us will kind of like put the blinders on and say, well, I said I was going to do X, Y, and Z. And that's what I'm, you know, I'm just going to stick with that. And I would just encourage people to allow for the flexibility. And even if you don't reach your original goal, you've still, I think, I think promising progress in a direction is still worth the effort, even if it looks different than what you originally intended. 
So true. It just reminds me of that quote, you know, reach for the moon. Uh, and if you miss, you'll still be amongst the stars. Like, you know, even if you don't hit the destination, like there's so much beauty in that journey. And then along the way, like, you know, you may have another course that, you know, takes you just further. Maybe it's a Pluto, maybe it's Jupiter or something <laughs> like that. So absolutely, um, you know, it's just really just being flexible, being open minded and, you know, just know that, you know, opportunities uh, sometimes come to you and sometimes you have to build them. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, if someone was interested in pursuing fire, what's the first step that you would tell our listeners? I would say awareness is like the number one thing that you need to do. So for me, that looked like running a credit report on myself and looking at my collective debt. Then I used a debt reduction calculator to like plot it all out by interest rate. And so looking at everything together of how do I dig out of this 30 grand of debt? Again, like I got a raise towards the tail end that helped me um, expedite that timeline a little bit. I was able to get out of 30 grand of debt in 11 months, which when I originally came up with the plan, I think it was like two years or something like that. And, and you know, unexpected windfalls and stuff. I just kept throwing it at the debt and it shortened the time frame. Um, but I would say like a really clear understanding of where your debt is and then where you're spending your money. I track to this day every dollar that I spend. And a lot of people find that tedious or annoying. They think budgeting is annoying. But I just look at a budget as it is telling your money where to go versus wondering where it went. Right? It's it's a tool. And it's only useful if it's realistic and you engage with it and you fine tune it. If you come up with a budget that you use to just like hit yourself on top of the head at the end of the month because you went over budget, it's not really serving you. But if you're looking at it as like, okay, I made a budget of, you know, $200 a month for groceries. Well, I can see based on my actual spending over these how many months that that was an unrealistic number. It's an arbitrary number that you just made up, right? So I need to adjust that and look at where are the other areas of my budget that I can adjust as well. So I think when you have the very clear understanding of like, your debt, how you're going to get out of it, and what is the gap between your income and your expenses that you can either throw at debt or throw at saving and investing. It's all just awareness. And that comes from your planning tools. It comes from, you know, the app that you use to track your expenses and the the budgeting that, you know, I just use a simple spreadsheet. Um, but yeah, I to me, those that's just key. It's awareness. It, you're not going to be able to come up with a plan or track against a plan if if you're not aware of where your money's going. Oh my God. So great. Like (laughs) that's perfect because, you know, I've heard from people that we've, you know, helped um, or are helping so far. Like there's a lot of stress, right. With looking at your finances and a lot of people are afraid. Yeah. For the first time, just afraid to like, Oh my God, I don't want to look at my debt. I don't want to look and see how much I spent at Starbucks. I don't want to look and see how much I spent, you know, on clothes. Like, there's a lot of stress um, when it comes to money. And it's like, I, I love what you said that it's just being aware, you know, that's the first step. And I think once you're aware, you're able to take action, right. And take small steps, you know, just starting out to just start getting control of your finances. So that's great. So yes, as, as we're wrapping up, like where can, where can our listeners find more information about you as well as again, the economy conference? Yeah. So again, economyconference.com. You can actually sign up for my newsletter. I, I only send like two emails a month, 
basically to keep you up to date on the event and what's going on with me. Um, you can also subscribe to the Optimal Finance Daily podcast. And that is a show where I'm actually narrating posts from personal finance bloggers, and then I'm offering my own commentary on it. It's a daily show, 10 minutes or less every single day. I like to say that these bloggers wrote these amazing songs and I get to perform the covers. It's just it's just a really fun show. And it, it's a very broad range of personal finance content. So we're talking about saving, getting out of debt, investing. Um, you know, it's, it's really across the board and we've got probably over a hundred contributing, um, bloggers. So it's a really broad perspective. So yeah, I think those are like the two main, two main places where you can find me. Love that. Love that. And, And thank you so much for coming on. You dropped a lot of great information for our listeners and just for ourselves just to hear your mm-hmm. journey and your story. So we appreciate you for coming on. Um, I love the, the point that you made about just being aware and knowing your numbers so you can ultimately take the steps to you know change your financial future. So thanks for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. And it all starts with intention. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much, you. guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Remember, It all starts with intention. See you next week.